Last night, my family and I, we went and watched uh, Cinderella. Um, yes, we did. Um, Ivan even joined us. And uh, yeah, he bore with it. And um, yeah, man, it's, I don't want to spoil the story for you guys. Um, I'm sure many of you are unfamiliar, but it involves a wicked stepmother um, and, and some pretty nasty, messed up stuff they do to Cinderella, right? It's just, it's jacked up. But the thing that I love about the story of Cinderella is how in the middle of some really messed up stuff, she keeps hope. She keeps hoping. I love that. It spoke to me. Hope's important, isn't it? A few uh, weeks ago, Ivan had his birthday, and um, he was telling me, Dad, I want a skateboard. I want a skateboard really bad. And he kept telling me. Um, and finally, I was like, what makes you think you're getting gifts this way, this year anyway? You know? he, and he laughed. He laughed really hard. Um, <laughs> and the reason he laughed is because he knows his dad. Right? He knows me. He knows my heart's for him. He knows I love him. He knows that I have the ability to get him a skateboard. And he trusts me. Hope is important. And um, if we don't have hope, life is just kind of gray and meaningless. Have you ever lost hope? It sucks. It sucks. Life without hope is horrible. I was talking to a neighbor this past week, and um, it was two weeks ago. And she, she was really going through it, man, really going through it. And uh, she said, I don't get how a good God could allow this to happen. And over 12 years of pastoring, I've heard that over and over, that question in different forms. How can a good God allow suffering? Like, is he sovereign? Is he really in control? then how can he let this happen? Or if he's really good, if he really cares, if he really has loving care for me, then how can he be in control and let this happen? And this story that we're going to journey through today, the story of Lazarus, really walks us through those deep questions in living color through the lives of some of the people who are closest to Jesus. So I'm excited about this. This is a resurrection story today, and we're going to dive right into it. Um, and you can just uh, start turning to John chapter, um, boy, where are we at? John chapter 11. And uh, we're going to be reading in the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen. And, and there's one point I want to make at the, from the offset here. And that is this, guys. The thing that will ultimately energize and enable your hope or will crush and destroy your hope is your view of Jesus your view of God, your view of his sovereign, sovereignty, is God loving? Is God caring? Does he actually care about me? And is he actually in control? Can he do anything about this? Your, your view of God will determine whether you will have hope or whether life will overwhelm you and leave you hopeless. So just like Ivan, I believe today that if we believe that our Heavenly Father, that our dad loves us and has the ability to bring us through, that we will have hope. And that's, that's what we're going to see in the story. Three points as we walk through, three movements. And that is we can rest in God's gracious control. We can trust in God's loving care. And we can hope in God's redeeming future. All right, will you join me in prayer real quick before we enter the text? Father, I thank you that you are good and that you love us. We've seen this year as we've walked through times of celebration and joy to some of the deepest tragedies any of us have ever seen people face, 
hurts, pains, bewilderment. We've seen you be faithful. We felt your love guiding us. We've seen even your plan in the middle of some of the toughest times life's had to offer. And I pray that today we would really capture a vision of your love for us, of your plan for us, and that we would walk out of here today with a hope, a reason for hope that isn't just some intellectual thing, but it's burrowed down deep, taking root in our heart, changing our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen. So the first point, we can rest in God's gracious control, and I'm going to read a portion of the text. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do you hear that? Jesus loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after, he, after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to return there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the daylight? And anyone who walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he who he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, "Uh, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. I love these guys. Take everything so literally. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking rest in sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, which he has to do a lot, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Gotta love Thomas, right? Here we see the disciples struggling. They're they're not on the same page with Jesus. Why? Well, they're struggling to rest in God's control, to believe that God's plan is actually the best thing for them. I mean, I love Lazarus and all, but I'm not ready to die. Right? I don't think this is the best plan, Jesus. And if they were left to their fear, think about this, they would never follow Jesus into his mission. They would never see the glory of God on display and they'd miss out on the life-changing experiences that lie ahead. And guys, the same thing is true for us. When you look at your life, if we are bound by fear, we'll never rest in God's plan and his gracious control over our lives. We'll be busy trying to take control, won't we? Trying to figure out our own way to do things. We may even fight the amazing things that God has planned for us. It's a question for you. If Jesus is ready to follow the Father's plan, why are his disciples so afraid? What does he know that they don't know? 
Look at, look at verses 4 and 14. He says there's a reason behind this, right? Jesus gives us a window into the mind of God. And he says this, These things happen for God's glory and so that you may believe. See, the thing they were missing, the thing that often I think we miss in our lives is there's something greater at work in our lives than just our momentary comfort or satisfaction. Jesus is about to reveal himself as Messiah. He's about to put the very glory of God on display. And tons of people are going to come in faith and believe on him for the first time in their lives, right? Many will believe, many will find life. And the road to get there involves some suffering, even death but it's worth it. It's worth it because there's nothing, there's nothing that comes easy in this life, right? I mean, if, if you want healing, you're gonna have to go through some pain. Like, like the old Baptist preacher used to say, if you, if you want a testimony, you gotta go through some tests. Right? There's no glory without suffering. There's no resurrection without death. God was in control. He had a gracious plan that they could rest in. It was a plan that was for their good. It was for his glory. And what seemed maybe random, maybe seemed confusing, even cruel in the moment to them, was actually the most loving thing he could do for them in that situation. But in the middle of it, they don't get that. In the middle of this situation, they're lost. Ever been there? I love this Classic Charles Spurgeon quote, he says this, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. And that leads us to the second point, that we can trust God's loving care. Because, guys, here's the deal. He's not just with you in it. He is for you in the trial. Let's look at what happens next. Verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, get this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's your fault. It's not your fault, but it's your fault, kind of. <laughs> but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So earlier the disciples couldn't rest in God's gracious control and the plan he had. But now here we find Martha struggling to believe in God's loving care for her and her family. How could God let this happen? 
Jesus loves Lazarus. How could he let him die? She's, she's questioning God's heart. Right? Verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You ever pray like that? When are you going to show up? I've been praying for this same thing for like a week now. We keep finding ourselves in this financial strain and, and it just keeps cycling around. We get a little ahead and then we fall. It's like one step forward, two steps back. What in the world? How are we going to get ahead? God, where are you? I'm sick of this situation coming around. I'm still lonely. I don't have so-and-so. Where's that significant other? You said it's not good for us to be alone. When are you going to provide somebody for me? Anybody ever been there? We pray like that. God, when are you going to show up and fix this? Sometimes we even get frustrated with God, like Martha, when he doesn't show up when we want and how we want, right? I don't know about you, but like I totally get Martha's response. I've sounded just like Martha before. Martha's response is the same response we have when we don't trust in God's loving care. When we really don't believe he loves us. We don't trust his heart. And if we don't trust the Father's tender heart for us, we will beg him for stuff and we'll blame him when we don't get what we want. So what is his heart here? Well, two things we see. One, as we already saw, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a plan, right? He has a gracious plan. He's about to reveal God's glory to them. And what feels unloving and unplanned, maybe, is God's perfect plan for their good. That's one thing we see. Say this with me. God's plan is better than mine. You believe that? God's plan is better than mine. Tim Keller says it this way. Tom always reminds me of this quote. God will always give you exactly what you would ask for if you knew everything he knows. So not only does Jesus show us God's gracious control over all of this, but number two, he shows us that he is intimately involved with them in the middle of their mess. Look at the next verse, 28. When she said this, she, she called for her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were there in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to the Lord, to where, the G, to where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Hear the echo? Sounds like Mary and Martha had been comparing notes. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was what? Deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in scripture that we have, Jesus wept. So Mary runs from the house toward Jesus, falling at his feet, weeping. And verse 33 says, he's deeply moved and troubled. And then 35 says, Jesus wept. You, you know, this text doesn't answer all our theological questions. But these two little words say more than I ever could. Jesus wept shows us loud and clear 
that not only is this part of God's perfect plan for their, for their good and for his glory, but it also shows us God's loving care for us in Jesus. Jesus may have been willing to let Lazarus die so that God's glory could be revealed, so that everyone's lives, including Lazarus, could be changed for the better. But even, even knowing God's plan, he's not cold and unresponsive to the effects of that plan, to their pain, to their confusion. This is what this tells us. Jesus doesn't abandon us in our mess. Just like this scene, Jesus enters into our darkest moments with us. He feels our pain. He's moved. He cares. He's for you. What is your mess today? I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know if you're struggling with loss depression, hurt. I don't know whether your finances have your heart all bound up and stress and anxiety is like overwhelming your life. There may be situations right now in your life that you think are hopeless. They're dead. They're in the grave. There's no hope. Jesus is here. He's with you in the middle of your mess. Do you believe that? When you suffer, you're not alone. When you go through the darkest night of your life and you're not sure what's next, you're not alone. Jesus is with you and he's for you in it. And if you can trust in God's character that he is in control, that his gracious plan is best, and if you can somehow grab hold of the truth and really have your heart trust in the fact that he's good, that God's heart is for you, that he cares for you, then three, our third point, we can have hope in God's redeeming future. Got some news for you. If you've placed your faith in Christ, this resurrection hope we're talking about isn't just a future reality, but it actually saturates every area of your life right now. Martha is frustrated. She's disillusioned. She said, if you'd been here, but then she, it's almost like she catches herself. Do you see this? It's almost like she catches herself and, and she realizes what she's saying. And she says in verse 22, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again on the resurrection day. So even though she's like a little snarky at first, kind of begging and then blaming and those, those kinds of things are going on. It's like she comes around and she makes this incredible statement of faith. I know he will rise again in the resurrection. Martha's saying, I, I know we have hope in this resurrection that's coming. One day, everything wrong will be made right. Everything. Yes, I believe there's a future hope. There's coming a day. And guys, hear me. There is, there is coming a day. I know all your situations are tough right now, but there is coming a day. And when that day comes, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. There is nothing that is going to stop me from being redeemed. Everything in life will be made right. 
No more pain, no more sorrow. Every, every heart will be ultimately healed. Every body will be ultimately restored. Your loved ones in you are going to dance around like teenagers. If you're in Christ, that promise is yours. And that's what this story points to, this story of, of Lazarus. How many of you are living for that day? Yeah? It's good news. It's good news. It's about 70%. But watch what happens next. I love this. I know he will rise again in the resurrection. And then Jesus says to her, no, you're not understanding me, Martha. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is here, right here, right now, standing in front of you, talking to you. There is nothing that is impossible in this moment because Jesus is here. What death is in your life right now? What situation is hopeless and in the grave? Does your marriage seem hopeless? Are you all but giving up on it? Are you stuck in a rut of depression? Do you have these anxiety that just overwhelms you? Maybe you're in a cycle of addiction and you just can't break free. Are you dead and dry spiritually? Are you isolated from God? Have you never come to him in faith yet? Not only is Jesus with you in it, not only does he feel your pain, he's weeping with you, right? But Jesus is the resurrection, so right here, right now, anything is possible. And guys, he's here right now. Just as real as he was back then, he's walking these aisles. The Savior of the world is in this room, ready to heal, ready to deliver, ready to reconcile, there's nothing that's impossible for God today. Now, I love how he finishes the conversation with her. He says, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? Do you believe it today? Is it just a story? Or did this really happen? Is this really happening right now? Is anything possible right now? And to prove it, that he's the resurrection, Jesus marches up the hill, and he's surrounded by people who don't trust in God's plan. He's surrounded by people who don't rest in God's heart, his loving heart for them. And with three words, he reveals God's glory as he says, Lazarus, come forth. And God's glory is put on display as a dead man that's been dead for four days, rises up and walks out of a tomb. <laughs> yeah, everybody's faces probably look like some of yours right now. Can you imagine? And verse 45 tells us the result. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. Guys, here's a question. Do you see the hope we have in the resurrection because of this passage? No matter what situation you're facing right now, there's hope in Jesus. His resurrection isn't just some future hope. It's that too. Our ultimate hope is in the resurrection, but there's resurrection power right here, right now in the Holy Spirit. God was in control. His gracious plan was best. And you may feel like you know best, but guys, you get to rest in the fact that God actually has a better plan than you in your life. 
to, in their situation, God's heart was full of loving care for them. You may feel like you have your best interest in mind, but God actually cares for you better than you can care for yourself. He loves you more than you love yourself. And God's redeeming plan was overflowing with hope. So no matter what you're facing, it's temporary. Everything you're facing is temporary. The truth is, if you are in Christ, it works out in the end for your good. All things work together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. All things. When, when we wrapped Cinderella last night, the last line of the movie kind of stuck with me. I loved it. It said, instead of happily ever after, um, it said that Cinderella went on to reign something like this injustice, and she didn't live in light of the way the world was, but she lived in light of the way the world could be. I thought about that. I thought, that's, that's what we're talking about. This resurrection life that is coming almost as it were backward from eternity into this moment. Anything is possible with Jesus. No situation is too hard with Jesus. Nothing you're facing. And all we have to do is give it to him. Trust him with it. Relinquish our control. Open our hands. Believe that his heart's actually for you, that he loves you. That he cares for you. And I know some of us may be struggling with this today. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe situations in your life have all but destroyed your faith. Does God love me? Can, can he help me? Do, will he do something? I want to believe, but I'm struggling. There's good news for you today, and I'll tell you why, because the story doesn't stop there. There's this one other part in this story of Jesus, which is the bigger story, is a second time when it's, it records that Jesus wept. It's the only other time in the Gospels. In the garden, it, it says he, he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood, and he prayed to his Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Yet not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus, Jesus not only has a plan, and not only is he in your life with you, in your darkest moments with you, and is he for you in it, but he faced life's toughest questions for you as well. If you're weak today, you can look to Jesus. If you're struggling with faith today, you can look to Jesus because he submitted to the Father in our place. In the gospel, we get this picture that Jesus rested in God's control for you and I. That Jesus trusted in God's loving care for all the times we've questioned it. And that he hoped in God's redeeming future. He faced these doubts that overwhelm us for you and for me. So if you doubt God's loving care, or if you doubt God's gracious plan for you, just look at the cross today. As we start wrapping this up, think about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He struggled with doubt too, so that you could have faith. He took on death so we could have life, and he did that for you and I. So maybe you say, wait, 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 wait a second, but why do we have hope? He died. Well, that's what today's all about. Because three days later, what happened? Yeah. Victorious. He got in the ring with death, took death on, and who came out victorious? Yeah. 
The number one thing we fear in this world is death. And he conquered it. We don't have anything to fear but a loving father who cares for us. The story of Lazarus points ahead to our hope, and we have an ultimate hope in the resurrection because of Jesus. So where are you at today with all this? I, I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe like the disciples, you're struggling to rest in God's gracious control, asking yourself, is his plan really best? I have news for you today. It is, and you can have faith in that. All you have to do is come down here and ask. That's what the disciples did, right? They came to Jesus and asked to talk to him. Come talk to him today. Talk to somebody in communion, or if you'd like, one of the elders can be down here and pray with you and walk you through this. If you're struggling with God's plan, you can have victory in that today. Or maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, I, I, I trust that God's sovereign and in control, but I'm, I'm struggling to, like Martha, like Mary, I'm struggling to really b- believe that his heart is for me, that he actually cares. Is he really for me? Maybe people have let you down. Maybe people have hurt you. Maybe you have a tough time seeing a a heavenly father as someone who actually does care for you. But he does, and you can believe that today. The Holy Spirit can change your heart if you're struggling to believe that. You have a reason for hope today no matter what you're going through. Will you stand with me? good news today. Rest in God's control is available. You can, you can get it down here. All you got to come do is ask. Come ask. Come confess your area of weakness and disbelief. The Holy Spirit will change your heart. Trust in God's loving care for you is available. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that your ways are perfect even when we don't understand that you are you're sovereign over all creation, even though we're spinning through space on a little rock and, and nothing is certain, we can have complete rest that you are in control, that your heart is for us. Thank you for sending your son who perfectly displayed your heart for us. Jesus, thank you for your chain-breaking, life-giving love, your, your willingness to live a life we couldn't live and to die a death we should have died your willingness to follow the Father's plan and trust his heart, even to your own death. You already died. You already conquered death. You already made a mockery of sin. You already broke the chains to our addictions. You already freed us from the anxiety and despair that drag us down. You already won and you did it for us because of your great love. Holy Spirit, thank you for your empowering love that speaks to our hearts right now, reminding us each that we are a child of God right now. Thank you for your comfort in times of struggle. Thank you for your constant reminder of the hope we have in Christ, (laughs) that resurrection is coming, that it's already here in Christ, that, that we have eternal life right now. That we have hope for every situation right now because it's true that you are head over heels in love with glorified mud balls like us. As we move forward in this time of worship and communion, give us the faith we need to trust you with everything. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, one of the ways if you're newer here that we close the services is, is uh, we come down and have communion in community.
and you could just join a circle.